Well, can you believe it? We are in the last few days of August, which for me symbolizes the final days of summer. It usually means that we are leaving behind a season of fun, longer hours in the sunlight to enjoy carefree days of playing at the beach, soaking up the sun's rays, enjoying warm evenings, bike rides, barbecues, and picnics. Maybe we've hiked to the local mountain peaks to enjoy the breathtaking views. Maybe we've kayaked on the coastline, golfed at a pristine course, and enjoyed fish and chips on a restaurant patio somewhere. Who doesn't love summer? It's a wonderful time. But for me, this summer somehow had a different flavor. I'm not approaching the end of summer with the taste of ice cream, blueberries, peaches and cream, cold brews and breweries flooding my memory. Instead, there are so many other things capturing my thoughts and my heart is heavy. This summer presented a very different picture. For Mark and I, there were days when we had hoped to be refreshed as we traveled through the Rocky Mountains and soaked in God's majestic creation. But instead, we could barely see across the road as the air was thick with smoke and ash. We learned of small towns and communities wiped out with only a few hours by raging fires. Hundreds of families were evacuated only to later return to their homes to find nothing left but ashes. We saw sadness and tears as they lost everything. But the heat waves and the fires weren't and aren't only here in our backyard. Huge fires raged throughout the USA, Turkey, Greece, Italy, and mega fires throughout Siberia. It has been said that natural disasters of unprecedented proportions are taking place throughout the world. For thousands of families, everything they own has been burnt to the ground, including their livelihoods. And for most, there is no insurance to fall back on. On August the 14th, we turned on the news and learned about devastation in Haiti. My thoughts were, not Haiti again. They are a country which has endured so much suffering already. In this earthquake, 2,200 people died, 6,900 were injured, 52,000 homes were destroyed, and 77,000 homes were damaged. And then there's Afghanistan, so full of tragedy and people fleeing in fear of their lives. Images of men falling from the sky as they clung to the airplanes, people crowding the airport desperately hoping to escape. As of Thursday morning this week, 88,000 people have been flown out of Afghanistan. There are 2.5 million registered refugees from this country. They comprise the largest protracted refugee population in Asia, the second largest refugee population in the world. 3.5 million people have been left homeless or displaced within Afghan's borders. And as a result of ongoing conflict and political stability, there is so much need. Afghans have also had to deal with severe drought and food shortages across most of the country. In June, the UN reported that 14 million people were suffering from hunger. Another source that we look to is World Vision. Right now, they say that there are 82 million people in the world who have been forcibly displaced. Many are displaced within their own home country, 32 million in Africa alone. About 26 million have fled to other countries. About 4 million are asylum seekers. And did you know that 42% of refugees are children? 
Think of your own childhood. We can't imagine walking for days to escape war and terror as a child. Most of us experienced a very different reality. And then about one million babies are born every year as refugees. This is heavy stuff. Then throw COVID-19 into the mix and it hasn't been the fun-filled summer we usually dream of. I have received numerous emails from many of you and from others asking what we at CA Church are doing in light of all this. How can we help in Haiti? How can we help Afghan refugees? How do we respond in all of this? In many ways, it's easy to become paralyzed or frozen with fear as we consider the magnitude of so much suffering and need. It creates an overwhelming sense of helplessness. The need goes far beyond our capacity to reach. The systemic, political, and cultural issues of the Middle East and many other countries are not something we can easily change. I keep asking myself, what should my response be? What should our response be corporately as a church? And how do we muster courage and strength to face all of this? How can I share what I have from my privileged standpoint? Or do I turn a cold shoulder and deny the reality of what is happening around me, creating excuses for my indifference? Today, we will take a look at what the scripture has to say, and Mark is going to share with us from a biblical perspective of what God says and how we should respond. Hi, everyone. Today, we want to talk about how all of us can be involved in reaching out to refugees around the world. For just a few minutes, I want to talk to and, and answer the question, what does the Bible say about how we are to retreat refugees? I'm drawing on some work of a couple of authors, uh, Jesse Carey and uh, uh, Denise uh, Koenig. And, and they have some great things to say about what we need to be doing and not doing. Um, Diane has given us various options of what we can do and she's going to when we're done here, both personally and corporately as a church. What we want to do now is look up, what does the Bible say on this? Immigration is one of the many political polarizing issues in Canada today. Uh, the topic of immigration and commitment to help Jeff refugees is widely debated and politically, and, and there's some people that are, have strong opinions on this in and outside the church. Rather than talking about how we can hand over this to the government, I want to talk biblically as the wisdom of the Bible, I believe, has something to say that is both simple and timeless. You won't find the term refugee in the Bible. But the Bible has plenty of places to say things to strangers, sojourners, foreigners, and my favorite, aliens. Sojourners are people who are temporarily living in Israel or just traveling through the country of Israel. And, we're gonna, and the Bible talks about how you would take care of them. The titles of yesterday's strangers and foreigners now today would probably be called displaced people, refugees, immigrants, visitors, and asylum seekers. All of these designations have slightly different situations, yet all of them are in need of our help. Let's look at some of the principles in God's Word about how God's people are to treat refugees, strangers, or foreigners. Jesus said in Matthew 25, 35, I was a stranger and you invited me in. So how good are we at, at inviting new people into our lives? One of my problems, and maybe yours too, is I seem to live on the HOV lane of life, busy and fast moving, and it seems like uh, I, I have turned away some friendships almost. We have some friendships and, you know, I don't need any more. That's just stupid. 
Think with me about how we can create space in your and my life for a few more friends. As a kid, I specifically remember after children, after church services, my mom was always on a new people hunt. She would always come up with somebody who was new to the church or something, and Sunday lunch, well into the afternoon, good playtime for me, was lost to do this. We get busy. I'm not trying to guilt anybody up, but we get busy. How are we at making time and putting aside energy for friendly coffee, tea, or maybe a walk with a refugee family? Could be the start of a great friendship. Folks, ask the Holy Spirit for direction on this. Middle Eastern cultures are very famous for their hospitalities. For example, Abraham set the standard for Israel by inviting the angelic visitors into his tent and providing them with a lavish meal, all recorded in Genesis 18, 1-15. Now, back then, strangers were looked upon with suspicion, often take advantage of, and not treated well, especially if they were poor. God's instruction to the Old Testament follower was countercultural, and Jesus followed the Old Testament pattern and, as usual, took another for few steps to say that how we treat st- strangers indicates whether we are Jesus Christ followers or not. Why are we to invite the stranger in, you ask? And I ask, because Jesus loves them. And he has asked us, the master has asked us to be his hands and feet. Allow me to walk through some of the more specific Bible verses that teach of God's truth on this. First, uh, Exodus chapter 23, verse 9, it talks about foreigners and refugees are not to be oppressed. You or yourselves know what it feels like, it says, because you were aliens in Egypt. They were slaves in Egypt, so the same way that they were slaves, don't take that and put it on someone else. You know how bad that is. The basic rule of thumb, do not burden refugees. Notice that the scripture gives Israel an emotional reason why. Because they knew what it was like to be in the, uh, the foreigner as they were slaves. And many of the Bible texts that I'll give you keep coming back to that. Israelites weren't to cheat or take advantage of refugees in any way. I have been told by many reliable witnesses that there are refugee women who do not have enough money on a monthly basis to come in to pay for rent or family food. And abusive predators, Canadians, demand sexual favors of these women so that the rental fees get paid and they get some money. This is abuse and it's criminal and it breaks the heart of God. We need to make sure that the refugees are not oppressed in any way. This is one example of how and why some children and single moms get pressured up and caught up into all sorts of illegal activity. Another principle of God's people are we need to love the refugees as we love ourselves. Leviticus chapter 19, starting in verse 33 and 34, when a foreigner resides among you in your land, do not mistreat them. The foreigner resides among you must be treated as native-born. Love them as yourself. For you were foreigners in Egypt. Right back to that Egypt thing. God has set a high standard for treating those who are foreigners around us. He, his, his God's people are to love the refugees as they love themselves and treat them the same. In our case, we need to treat them like Canadian citizens, eh? And we have reason for that. God says, do that. I command you to love one another as I have loved you. 
Providing food for the poor and the foreigner is talked about in Leviticus chapter 9 or 19, starting in verse 9. When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges or of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Do not go over your vineyard a second time and pick up all the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor and the foreigner. This is an agricultural example, help, uh, talking about how refugees need to help themselves. But we need to be um, uh, generous in leaving some of our crop behind. This also is another way to help them with a the dignity issue. If, they give them, we're, if we give them a hand up, it's going to be helpful. If I give them a hand out, that doesn't help them much. They, the refugees go on to gather the grain and the fruit themselves rather than someone else do that and then hand it to them. It gives them dignity to have work. And God has made us to work. And those that don't work, in 2 Corinthians, sorry, Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 10, it says if you don't work, you don't eat. One of the mantras here is we give the refugees the best that we have not our ruined and wrecked and water-stained junk. I've unpacked some of the stuff that's been handed in and given to us. It's, it's just about, it, I'll just say, it's embarrassing at times what some people do. We don't need dirty socks. We just did this in the way that uh, we do hampers. We made some changes. We used to prepare the hampers, and then as people came in, we just hand them out but found out that they didn't like some of the Canadian food. Can you believe that? They don't like some of the Canadian food the same way that we don't like some of their food. And so what we've done is we have actually made a system so they can choose their food rather than, as they say, Diane has said, we don't want to give them food that doesn't get used, a bad food like Kraft Dinner. I'm, I'm offended because it's one of the only things I can make, eggs, Kraft Dinner, and toast. But anyhow, uh, we need to give them good food, and we need to. Don't give them leftover food or clothing. Give them our best. God loves the foreigner that is residing among us, and we need to follow his lead. Deuteronomy chapter 10, starting in verse 18, he defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow and loves the foreigner residing among you, giving, giving them food and clothing. And you are to love those who are foreigners, for you yourself, cycles back, were foreigners in Egypt. Jesus loved and died for all. Muslims, non-Muslims, Christians, non-Christians. He loves them all, not just white people who love hockey and Tim Hortons. There's a problem with that, if that's our attitude. Another good text that we need to look at is found in Exodus chapter 23, verse 9. Do not oppose an alien. You yourselves ought to know what it feels like to be an alien because you were aliens in Egypt. Again, keeps coming back. Not fitting into this is depressive for many people. Many refugees come here and they see themselves as different and other, other people treat them as different rather than friends. How good are we at, uh, at looking out for our refugee friends and develop and having them develop and go with us in friendship circles or small group people? Some people just ignore the, uh, the uh, refugee people around us. Malachi 3, 5, or 3 verse 5 has some things to say. So I will come to you and put you on trial. I will be quickly to testify against the sorcerers, the adulterers, and the perjurers, against those who defraud the laborers of their wages, who oppress the widows and the fatherless, and deprive the foreigners among you the justice. But you do not fear me, says the Lord Almighty. Helping single moms and fatherless 
people is legal ways that are often found left to fend for themselves rather than, in my mind, the government complexity of, that is needed for this. They need help. And often, they don't speak English well. We need to invite the stranger in and help them. Matthew 25, I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothing and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Love your neighbors as yourself. Galatians chapter 5 verse 14. For the entire law is filled up with this, fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. One of the things that we have debated in time of, in time of Jesus was, who are we responsible for? Another way to put it is, who's my neighbor? And so, who does God expect me to care for? Listen, as I bet you have, uh, uh, this, this is a real story. It's one of the times that Jesus told a story, a parable, to make a point. But I've been to this place and I believe it would be real. Luke 10, 29 to 37. He, being an expert of the law, it says, asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? He was really trying to uh, excuse himself from the responsibility. In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. He was attacked by robbers. Stripped, they stripped him of all his clothing and beat him, and when he, they went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to come along down the same road, and I guess he was busy because he saw the man and passed on the other side. So to a Levite, he came to the place and saw the man, passed on the other side. But a Samaritan, a group of people the Jews don't like, as he traveled, came to where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine and medicinal stuff. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn to take care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave it to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I'll re re uh, reimburse you for anything extra, all the extra things. Jesus asked, which of these three do you think was the neighbor of the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert of the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus said to him, and I believe he says to us today, go and do likewise. Lord, we pray you would give us wisdom in this. We want to go and do likewise. When we see people that are, don't have homes and all the rest of, that we've seen in these days, move us, give us wisdom to lead rather than just think someone else may care, care for these people. Use us, we pray, in Jesus' name, amen. I want to introduce to you Mehdi and Mina. They're going to come. Mehdi is our uh, person who's going to be our director of the Middle East ministry that we're starting. And uh, we want to introduce him and pray over him right now. They have, we have a video now that we're going to be showing to talk a little bit about Mehdi's story. And uh, Lord bless you as you listen to this. Hi, my name is Mehdi. I'm 42 years old, uh, almost 10 months in Canada. I was refugee in Turkey for six years and 
10 months ago, God opened the door through CA Church and we moved from Turkey to Canada. I was born in Muslim uh, family, starting asking questions from them about religion. They couldn't answer me and also in school, uh, mosque, but no one could answer me. And then I left my house, my city to the south of Iran. It was like desert. I was alone. I tried to suicide, killing myself because uh, I, I thought I'm not important for anyone. Also, no one is important for me. Where is God? Why I'm here? What I'm doing here? I'm not important for anyone. So let's kill myself and then go to the next chapter, next world, maybe. And then I felt that some spirit is here. And uh, he told me, you think you are not important for anyone, but you are important for me. Follow me, I will change your life. I will change everything in your life. Just follow me. When I uh, came back to Tehran, when my family saw me after two, three days, they found something is changed in my life. Also my friends, my relatives, my families, my colleagues, they found something is changed in Mehdi. I'm caring about my family, I'm caring about my neighbor. So because of that, it was uh, visible for them. Because of that, after I attending church, my family also, my parents, at the beginning, they were so sad, disappointed, angry. Why, Mehdi, you going to the church? You want to kill all of us if police understand. They come arrest you and what people saying about us. But after they see how Mehdi is changed, they also came with me to the church. They attended to the church and they believe Jesus as a savior and as a person, as a God who can change everything. Later, I faced many problems uh, from intelligence service. I lost my job, my house, my cars, my money, everything. They called me for interrogation, torture. Many times they hated me. And then one day, uh, my brother-in-law was uh, mayor assistant in Kermanshah. And he called me and said, Mehdi, they are go uh, coming to your house and they want to arrest you. And because of that, we suddenly left our house. We uh, came to Tehran immediately. Uh, actually, we jumped to our car. We couldn't bring anything, just our passport and our dress. So we lost everything. One of my friends was pastor of Lighthouse Church in uh, Turkey in Yalova. Uh, he came and visited me and said, Mehdi, what are you doing? Do you need anything? And I told him, yes, uh, I don't have money for uh, renting house. And they started to help me. And then I found a job. I had income. I returned church money. And then after six months, uh, they invited me and uh, appointed me as a pastor for Iranian congregation and started to serve in, in the church, Persian church. And then God opened the door through CA Church and 
We came from Turkey to Canada and visited here. I'm sad for Iranian refugee in Turkey. And always I pray, every day I pray and ask God open the door for them also. Uh, they are like my children. When I left them, I thought some part of my body, like my heart, is still in Turkey. If I have duty in uh, that topic, God just tell me how I can help them. I am so grateful for Mehdi and for Mina. I'm grateful that God can bring people through such difficult times and then use their lives for His glory. That's what we see here as an example of their lives. And so after hearing God's word today, how do we apply this to us, to me, to you? What can we do? What are we currently doing at CA Church? I want to address this today, but first I want to go back to my earlier comment. How can we muster courage and strength to do what scripture is asking us to do? I like the word muster as it implies by its definition that we come together and we form a group to be utilized for a common purpose. We assemble in preparation for action. If you've been on a cruise ship, you know that they will always have a practice drill with all the cruisers before the ship sets sail, and they come to a muster station in case of emergency. For the past few years, if you've noticed, there has been a muster point outside of our church for construction workers to come together if emergency action is needed. I believe that as a church, it's our opportune time to muster together and to address the crises in our world right now. Tackling this on our own is not necessarily the answer. It's far too overwhelming. But if we come together and we serve together and we work together, we can make a difference. And I pray that CA Church will be a muster station from which great work is done for those who are homeless, for foreigners in our land, and sojourners among us. I've been inspired by others who have recently stepped up to the plate and done such things. I read this week that Brian Chesky, the CEO of Airbnbs, has called this the biggest humanitarian crisis of our time and has pledged free housing for 20,000 refugees. Liz Bohannon of Seiko Designs is the founder of an ethical fashion brand that creates community and opportunity for women around the world, empowering and educating them towards sustainability. Last week, through her social media, she raised $500,000 in 24 hours to bring a plain load of Afghan women to freedom. One of our more recent new immigrants, Samira, that we sponsored came from Afghanistan, and her family is still there. Would you pray for her mother and her brothers? Prayer will do so much more that we can do in this situation. I know of several people in our church also who have volunteered with Samaritan's Purse to help with the fire victims in BC. I'm so encouraged and inspired by your actions. And so what is CA Church going to do? Here's some of the things that we are committed to doing in areas where you can serve. For us, investing in Medi and Mina to work with new immigrants and families settling into Canada is one step. This is a massive job. It takes many hands, many hours, weeks, and months for each family to adjust and adapt to their new life. 
Did you know Canada has a very aggressive immigration plan over the next three years? First of all, they're bringing 20,000 Afghan refugees here. How and when, that has not been revealed yet. In 2021, their goal is 401,000 immigrants. 2022, 411,000, and 2023, 423,000. So like I said, this is a very aggressive plan. How can we play a role? Well, we will continue our ministry with the Alova Lighthouse Church and bring more families to provide a safe and peaceful homeland for them. We currently have three families in queue awaiting their flights to Canada from Turkey. Two weeks ago, we submitted a quarantine plan for one of them, and we expect them to be here potentially within six weeks or so. And here's a photo of them that you can see. There's Habib, Farida, and their son, Puria. Also, you know that we are working on a house of refuge in Temposa, Mexico. COVID has definitely slowed down the progress for this mission. We took an offering to help in this area at Christmas in 2019. The land is now secured and the building has begun. Families there are expelled from their homes and their land, and they'll be able to take refuge here. They're persecuted for just being Christians. So in Iraq, you know that we recently um, focused on that for our mission of the month to support a refugee camp that was burned. Mark and I were in that camp in 2017, and now we have a report from our friend on the ground there and what they have done with the funds that we have sent. They have asked if our specific funds could be used to build a semi-permanent structure for the orphaned and disabled children in this camp. It's encouraging to see the camp has be, is being rebuilt after more than 200 homes were burnt. So here's a video report from on the ground there. Greetings to you, Coquitlam Alliance, from an area that we're calling north of Nineveh, a place that's currently focusing your mission of the month. And I just want to say thank you, first and foremost, from the team here on the ground. Uh, thank you for the work that you're doing in raising funds for uh, helping in the midst of this fire. Standing here in uh, Sharia camp, this is the camp that was devastated by the fire. Uh, I'll show you some before photos, but uh, as you can see, the after is quite different. Uh, these families over the last month uh, have benefited from the benevolence of the local community. Uh, and thanks in part to your generous donations, uh, these are the structures that will be replacing the tents. So each one of these structures uh, is on a four by four meter uh, concrete pad. Uh, these pads, um, these structures will be for one family eight, uh, of eight or under. Here's a bit of the inside here. Each one uh, is built out of concrete block uh, with an insulated roof panel. Uh, each one's equipped with power, thankfully. And we're currently in the process of building an annex to some of these buildings. Uh, if I walk between these structures here, you can see uh, these guys are hard at work building a kitchen. Uh, these areas are on the outside, obviously. Each family's been able to uh, do some of their own creativity, make these places their own. Uh, you can see by some of the grouting on the outside of these buildings. Uh, but this 
This is the annex that'll be between the buildings. These will be for uh, the kitchen areas and the cooking areas. So with your donations, we're helping to build these. Uh, with your donations, we're helping to pay labor uh, and helping to get these families set up here. The other big piece I wanna say is uh, you can imagine after seven years of living in a tent, uh, these are a welcome upgrade. Uh, and they've come at a great cost, obviously. These families have lost everything in the midst of the fire. Be praying for this community. Be praying that uh, the peace of our Lord would be known here. Uh, that in the midst of uh, yeah, devastation, that uh, the compounded traumas uh, wouldn't affect uh, the people here, that there would be peace. We serve a Lord that is the bringer of peace, the Prince of Peace, and we're so grateful for that. Uh, pray for uh, our believers here as well, that they may be peacemakers in the midst of this. Uh, we, in the midst of this time, have been just praying that uh, there would be beauty from ashes. And we serve a Lord that can do this. And we're so grateful for that. Um, and we'd be asking that as you join with us financially and providing aid, that you'd be joining with us in prayer as well. Pray for this community. Pray that they would come to the realization of who the Prince of Peace is. Thank you again for your love and your support. Thank you for being a part of this. Uh, blessings on you, church, today. At home here, we are so excited about our ministry care center. It is almost complete, and we hope to be functioning as a food pantry cultural hub within two weeks. This will assist families with food insecurity in our community. Currently, 15% of families in Canada struggle with food insecurity, 19% of families with children. So in September, we will begin servicing almost 200 families and a large percentage of these families are new immigrants. Imagine moving to a new country, not knowing or understanding the culture or the language. How do you provide for your family? Minimum wage jobs don't cover the cost of living on the West Coast, and most education is not transferable here. I'm reminded again of the Afghani refugees that will arrive in Canada, not by their own choice, we need to embrace them with love, with compassion, and with understanding, not with judgment and hostility. And so we pray the food pantry will provide hope and love in each situation. This is a wonderful way to serve. We will need many, many volunteers to help with this ministry. Come and join us and muster together with this ministry. We also want to talk today about our Community Response Fund. For those that have been a part of CA Church for a while, you know that every month for years we have taken an additional offering to help those who are struggling in our community. Our CRF offering has definitely waned throughout COVID. We want to resurface it again to better help our community. These funds provide food, rental assistance, counseling services, etc. A practical service to lend a hand when individuals or families find themselves in difficult situations. And so today we are providing an added opportunity to give for the purpose we have described here. There's an opportunity to donate online right now on your screen. Please don't hesitate to give in this way. 
And finally today, we turn to prayer. It is the most important thing we can do. Prayer is key. We pray, we serve, we give, and we go. We must never be too busy or too lazy to pray. We underestimate God if we think we are doing nothing because all we can do is pray. And so today we end our service in praying together for the many displaced people around the world. Please pray along with me as we watch this video together, listen and agree with this prayer, and at the end take a few moment, moments with the guided prayer prompts. So thank you and let's pray together. I am a Syrian citizen from a Muslim background. I left my country due to the war. I would like to pray for all the refugees who left their homelands because of war or any other reason. Lord, I thank you for the refugees, those coming from Syria or Iraq or any other country. Please protect them from all evil. Let your mercy be upon them. Help them, provide for their every need, whether financial, physical, or spiritual. Oh Lord, only you can take care of us. For Matthew 6, 26 says, Look at the birds of the air, they do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Lord, open doors for job opportunities. Keep fear away from them. Fill them with joy, peace, and safety. For you said in John 14, 27, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Lord, protect them from making any decision or accepting any thought that does not come from you. You are able to take care of them and to lead them and shepherd their thoughts in your name. For you said in John 10, 11, I am the Good Shepherd. I pray in your name, O Healer, that you might heal them from their pains and traumas, whether psychological, physical, or spiritual. May they heal through your name, your word, and your Holy Spirit. For you said in Exodus 15, 26, I am the Lord who heals you. O Lord, fill their hearts with peace and help them overcome loneliness. Give their lives a purpose. O oh Lord, they are in need of your love and salvation through Jesus Christ, your Son. Our Heavenly Father, I pray for all the refugees. Would you save their souls and visit them and reveal yourself to them? Because you are the Savior who delivered us from damnation. You are the only way to eternal life. For it is written in John 14:6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through you. I pray for my fellow believers that they might deliver your word and your love to all who have never heard about Jesus, so that they might turn to him as the Savior of their lives and become children of God, just as I have received salvation. 
I pray that the entire world would receive their salvation through our dear Redeemer, Jesus, who bore our sins on the cross. We give you all the glory and honor, both now and forever. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I pray. Amen.